Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Crowcast Podcast. I'm Shane. Hey, I'm Ronnie. And these are the audio versions of the interviews we've had with our special guests on Crowcast. This episode is with Charlie Starr. Wow, what a journey. What a journey. Um, Unbelievable. What a gentleman. So calm and quiet, softly spoken. But man, has that guy got the chops on guitar and vocals. His band are incredible. Oh, I mean, I'll let you talk about the album in a sec, but their 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 career is just something that you know resonates with me. I I love a band with a story or grafting, um, and I don't think a lot of people respect the fact of how long twenty years Blackberry Smoke have been around. A yeah. lot of those years they have spent independently pushing their brand, pushing their band on the road, traveling up and down the states. Um, to small audiences, to medium, and then to start playing with some of their idols and then go from that to selling out um, a South American tour and then having number one billboard um, hits and then hits in the UK, bro. Do you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. It's an organic thing. They haven't got a big sort of label behind them, you know, this massive sort of business behind them. It's just them. And one organic and beautiful way... They must be so proud of what they've achieved. But 20 years, bro, their album, as you said, absolutely incredible. Love it. It's the album I needed right now, man. It's just It just picked me up. Um, and like I say in, in, the, in the podcast, it made me shake my frame in the kitchen. I couldn't believe what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is going on here? What's wrong with me? But it's, I just needed this album right now um, just to make you think about gigs again because that's that's, I pictured myself watching them with a drink in hand as i said and just um just jamming out with them like do you know what i mean it's uh i'll echo what you said there it was the perfect guest the perfect crowcast to kind of inspire you um i picked up a guitar today it, it might not have been useful but it was the whole fun of just singing a melody line and playing a guitar line without stressing of what it was. And that's what I got from Charlie yesterday. It's the very old school Beatles motto of it's just music. Do you know what I mean? Rather than thinking, is that the right chord? Is that the right? Um, it's just nice sometimes to just pick up whether it's, you know, a drummer, a bass player, a vocalist and just sing or play something just because it's, it's music and we can. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? That's, Hundred percent, brother. I can't. I can't. It's a. It's a great point. Absolutely great point. It's music. It's supposed to be there. It's a vibe about it. It's a feeling behind it. It's, it doesn't have to be. You know, certain chords used, certain structures there. It can be a bit of a, a headache sometimes when you're thinking about. Oh, this song needs to sound like this, or that song needs to. Sound like... It's just a vibe. They capture it. Um, I'm so glad I listened to it the last couple of days now. Well, I haven't stopped listening to it. It's incredible. Yeah, and we have a treat um, on this particular episode as well. Uh, right at the end, this would be episode 51 for anybody who wants to see the visual on this. If you head over to YouTube or head over to www.thosedamncrows.com, you'll see um, the Crowcast bar on there. You can flick through all the many episodes. All the thumbnails are there. They'll take you to the episode. This one is number 51. We do get to have a track off the guys, which is incredible. Um, um, you Hear Georgia, which is the title of their new album, which is available on May the 28th. Um, should we get into it? Here we go. Strap in. This is Crowcast Podcast. We are close! Damn! 
This is incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, Crow family, please welcome the incredibly talented frontman of Blackberry Smoke, Mr. Charlie Starr. How's it going, fellas? How are we doing, brother? Oh, man, I'm hanging in here. Good, man. You sounded incredible. That's, that's a, you've done this before, I'm, I'm sure. How many of these have you done, these, these podcasts? Just a few in the last. <laughs> I've had 51 weeks to practice also. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us where you are, Charlie, right now. I'm at home in my house in Atlanta, Georgia. Mick Jagger's behind me. Oh, look at that. How we doing, Mick? Good to see you. A couple of guitars, a dog. My family will probably come crashing through the front door here in a little bit. Okay. It's it's dinner time here. Yeah, that's right. You saw about five o'clock there, is it? Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah, dinner time is a busy time on the table. Yeah, family time. How have you been coping, Charlie? All good? Yeah, man, we've, uh, I was listening to you guys, you know, um, talking just a, a minute ago, you know, about, uh, this is a beautiful thing that you're doing for the Crow family and, and your fans. And, uh, they seem to be very engaged. You know, I was reading the, yeah. the comments there and, um, we've tried to do similar types of things. We've been a little luckier. I don't know about you guys, but we've been able to play some shows through all this. We played drive-in shows and, uh, distanced limited limited capacity type shows which we're still doing we're going to do two uh in tennessee wow. in a couple of days and we didn't for you know months and months and months when it all started and the first time that we got together and played together and turned up loud it was euphoric yeah wow. you know there's nothing else like it and to go without it for we we didn't do anything for nine months yeah. so it was like doing it for the first time yeah, because oh, you you guys have done, um, I think you call them pandemic jams. Is is that right? Yeah, that was like our version of the Crowcast. We did yeah. this, and I, same thing. We were like trying to figure out if the we had some help from some nerdy guys <laughs> to, <laughs> to make it all work. They did a great job. They made it work. So that was live streaming. Nobody there. Yeah, watching. just we were from. Well, we did some live streams together where we performed. We did uh, one at the Ryman in Nashville one at the Tabernacle here in Atlanta, one from a studio. But then we did some of these jams like we're doing where we, uh, first time we tried to actually play together. Um, and it's impossible because <laughs> yeah. somebody will have a delay, you know? So uh, then we thought, no, well, we have to actually put them together. Yeah. But from our homes, each person record their track at home. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. We did one that we haven't released yet. It was uh, Seasons of Wither by Aerosmith. And, oh, wow. Uh, uh, yeah. Maybe someday it'll sneak out there. Amazing. That would be really cool. What, what was the drive-ins like, Charlie? Was that, was that a different experience? Yeah, it was really weird. I mean, it was people in their cars or they uh, – you could uh, – one of them that we did, was, there was no PA. So we're playing our instruments – and the front of house, our front of house guy was sending the mix to somehow to a truck that was broadcasting it to everyone's radio in their car. Wow. So they're listening in their car, but if they got out of their car, they couldn't hear anything but drums, you know? <laughs> so wow. it was ridiculous. Um, but, but other, that was early on, you know, and they were trying to figure out how to successfully pull this off here in the U S 
and uh, and then they said, no, we got to have production. We've got to have PA and lights. At least people, you know, they, the ones that we did, they would park their car and have four people in a car. You pay, that's the ticket. You know, you pay for a, a car with four people and then they would give them an empty space beside the car to get out and drink and party. So, but then the problem was where do they go to the bathroom? <laughs> so it was a, it was a, uh, it was quite an experiment, I think. So how many then did you do at the drive-ins? Maybe uh, eight shows. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dude, that's incredible. I mean, we done, Ron, two? Two we, sort of... We did... Um, we were very lucky because I think you guys have played there as well. We um, we managed to get over to Germany um, at some point in 2020. It's all becoming a blur now, probably the same yeah. with you guys as well. Um, but we got we managed to get over to Germany and we did Rock Palast. Yeah. Um, which was fabulous, but it was still bizarre because there was about 100, 110 people there with masks on. Yeah. Um, nobody could, no one, no one's allowed to sing. Uh, no mm. one's allowed to cheer. Uh. Um, so they would just kind of just applaud you quietly. Yeah. Um, and then they left. And it was really hard because when they were leaving the venue, they, were, they uh-huh. were doing that just to show you they were into it, like, you know, but they couldn't, weren't allowed to project it, obviously. Um, we did get offered a couple of drive-in shows, but at that point in the UK, things kind of took a, a turn for the worse. Yeah. Um, and they decided not to do the drive-in shows, which was which was acceptable and fine. But I always I always like to ask other bands of their artists like their experiences, especially when you said you did the drive-ins, because we were quite excited about that when we were announced for it, because I suppose it's something to look back on in, in 10 years, 20 years' time to kind of go, wow, do you remember that time? Yeah. Um, you know, and bands love to do that as it is. Do you remember that time we traveled eight yeah. uh, eight hours in a van? Or, um, But to say, wow, do you remember that time that we played a drive-in without a PA? Yeah. Um, wow, that's that's really cool to hear those those stories. That's that's unbelievable. The the uh, that particular no PA show about two days before we did it, I got a text from uh, Marcus King guitar player here who's doing really well and you know he likes to be loud too and uh he said hey man i see that you're coming to this drive-in in massachusetts in a couple of days i gotta warn you it's not sexy <laughs> <laughs> he said they made me turn my amp to the wall and put a blanket on it and i said oh no oh yeah. so it was a uh, that particular venue they the neighboring houses uh since it, it was a drive-in movie theater, not a music venue, you know, uh, the the volume of a movie, I guess, would be a third of what the volume of a live rock and roll band would be for a show. Yeah. So all the neighbors, when they started to have shows, the neighbors were calling the cops. What's going yeah. on? Shut that down. <laughs> so uh, you live and learn, I guess. Was anybody like, because um, we, were, we were thinking when when it was announced that we were going to try and do one um about people beeping their horns and stuff in the cars was yeah did they do all that with you or they did i think that by the time we got to the third or fourth one we they were uh i think the people were told don't honk your horn until the end wait <laughs> until the end so they did and so at the very end it was no 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 you know and then the neighbors go i'm not having this for the <laughs> yeah but you know what i what i kind of figured through all that is it sort of teaches you you know, you remove the energy that the audience gives you, which is really hard. 
but then you turn to each other, you know, yeah. it was like, well, we, I love playing with, with these guys, you know, and it's not that I ever forgot it, but it really reinforced like, you know what? I love what you're playing and I love what you're singing. And I love when we do this together. Yeah. And uh, that really helped at the, the live stream gigs when there was no audience or like you said, there were some friends there that were, and they're like, don't clap, don't scream. You know, and they're like, but yeah. my wife watched it and she's like, you should tell them to clap. Even if there's 10 of your friends there, it sounds really weird for you to end a song and then it's just crickets, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. first, the first live stream show we did um, was for planet rock. And I think we've all said, if we could go back to that show, knowing what it is now, we would have asked the cameraman to, to clap. Yeah. And when we did that, there was literally just four or five cameramen in the room or yeah. however, however many they were spread out as they yeah. are. Um, but I wish we would have had that, that mindset to just say, do you mind giving us a bit of a, just yeah. a little clap right at the end? It, it won't hurt. It, it'd be fine. Yeah. Cause you are right. You do a big crescendo or you end, you end that song dramatically and nothing. Yeah. <laughs> man. Just like yeah. you said, crickets, man. It was like, yeah. Oh, Hope we passed the audition. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. But it's like you guys now have been together. What is it? Twentieth anniversary coming up? Is it? Yeah, this year? twenty years this year. Wow, man. So the I guess the question for me would be, you guys been together twenty years. Is it is it easier now to make records? You guys know what you're capable of. You know the level of musicianship is. You know exactly what everyone can do. Is that songwriting process so much easier now? I think making records is. Uh, we've never spent well we've never had the luxury of spending a lot of time in the studio because of our touring schedule and then this new record we couldn't because of covid so we like this record for example we had 10 days to get it completed so dave cobb who produced it he was like let's track for five days mix for five days whatever we have that's what we'll have you know and if we don't have a record we'll come back and, uh, but we did it with a, with a song to spare. So, um, yeah, I think 20 years of playing together, you, it becomes, you, you start to, you're sort of connected as one living organism when you're playing music together, you kind of yeah. know, like, well, if I'm, uh, writing at home, I'll think, I know I, I might not be able to articulate it, you know, as far as put it into words, but I know how the dudes are going to play this idea. I can hear it. Yeah. Um, it's it's already there. And uh, that's very valuable because I think, okay, well, this is how it should go. Uh, unless I try to, if I ever try to write a prog song uh, <laughs> and I could throw them all for a, throw them all a curve. <laughs> then they, I don't know if they'd know what to do. But. <laughs> that's brilliant. But um, I guess, did so did, was this record, did you have the songs ready before COVID? Or was it during COVID you wrote, wrote these songs or? Some of them were, uh, were ready, um, because we had planned to go in the studio in March, um, in late March. And then of course, mid March that all went out the window. So I had about, well, I had a lot of songs already, maybe 14 or 15. And, uh, but then, then here comes COVID and mm. wrote more and uh, collaborated with a lot of friends. That was one interesting thing that happened was a lot of other band guys, uh, since we were all sitting at home was, you know, it'd be like, Hey man, you want to write a song just for, just for fun, you know, just to do it. 
Yeah. And, uh, and so got two or three sort of accidentally good songs out of that kind of experience, which might not have happened before, you know, wow. um, especially one it was with Warren Haynes and, um, government mule tours as much, if not more than we do. So that probably wouldn't have happened in a normal COVID free year. Yeah. Um, of course yeah. That, that songwriting process, is it virtual? So you'd have an idea, they'd send something over, you'd work on it or would it be like he, and I, he and I actually, uh, yeah, we got on the phone, um, like, uh, FaceTime audio. Yeah. So it's really clear and high quality. And, uh, we just bounced, I was playing the acoustic guitar and, and he got one and we bounced it back and forth. And then, um, it, it came together pretty quickly. Um, other, other ones where it would be as uh, FaceTime or zoom, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. We, we it's, tried it and it was, a, it was a disaster, wasn't it, Ron? Oh, we, um, yeah, yeah. Going back to what you said earlier, we tried the whole, like jamming along on yeah. the screen. Oh man. It was we can't do it. Like, oh. Hey, yeah. did you see, did you happen to see, you know, um, I forget which award show it was, but the stones did it and they were not anywhere near playing together. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like Charlie Watts was, uh, not even playing drums. He was like hitting books or something like yeah, or some briefcases. And uh, Keith Richards is playing the guitar beautifully, but it's nowhere near in time with what Mick Jagger is singing. But I thought that's the st who can get away with that? They can. It's Stones. Yeah, we we've talked about it loads, see, because we we're very much when we get in a room, if something starts to spark off, we'll we'll tend to just go on one. You know what I mean, and then yeah. come back to it. But there's loads of moments that can happen, whether it becomes from a drum beat or a guitar lick, or Shane might sing a melody line, and then all of a sudden we're pretty much three quarters of the way through the song because, yeah. like you said, you get so in love with the music. You you forget about everything. You just go go down go down that journey, yeah. um, and that's what we found hard. That's been the one obstacle for us is because we're used to kind of doing that and bouncing off. We've tried occasionally sending ideas over um, digitally, but they only get so far. So we've just start, started stacking ideas, haven't we, Shane? Just more sound bites um, and seeing if we can kind of evolve them together or uh, however it works. You know what I mean? It's um it's just yeah. really bizarre of we've tried the whole, like, you just can't, you just don't seem to get that feed off each other. Do you know what I mean? It's right. It's, it's really weird. Like, but that's great that you guys have that's that's, and it's good for us to hear other people as well and, and their methods. Cause it almost makes you want to try it again. Or cause like I said, the longer you're just sitting in the house, you want yeah. to, you just wanting to create constantly like, you know, so. It was a great time for, I'm, I'm sure a lot of songs and a lot of records are going to come out of this, this whole yeah this whole uh, pandemic yeah some good so Charlie, stuff. This, this is your seventh album studio album is that right mm -hmm. seventh studio how does this differ from the last epic album of yours um i don't really know it, i don't think that um that any of them are ever really a departure from the last one um it's just the, the newest batch of songs you know but but i think sonically they're all different just from working with different producers or producing ourselves yeah. or, and I really liked working with Dave Cobb because Dave doesn't really, as a producer, he doesn't have a sound. 
like the Dave Cobb sound. Yeah. He just, I think really amplifies, uh, no pun intended, um, each band or artist's sound. And, yeah. and he's, he'll say that he's like, it's my job to make you sound like you, you know, yeah. and to get, and to do the best job of that possible. But I will say this, he's a guitar nerd and it is a guitar record <laughs> yes. uh, from, from jump street. When I walked through the door, which, you know, we had been on the phone. He's like, you don't have to bring anything. I got, you know, two or three of anything you need amps, <laughs> guitars, drums, even, you know, Wow. and, uh, but I, I, I wasn't hearing that. I brought tons of stuff. And uh, I don't know, we just had a blast. It was, you know, turn everything up loud and he's in there with you. He's in the room and playing tambourine and is really refreshing. He's passionate and he's fast. He doesn't waste any time on, you know, I would say, ah, I think I can do that a little bit better. He's like, no, you can't. That was perfect. Stop it. Don't start fixing stuff. If you start fixing stuff, it'll sound like, you know, it'll, it'll be horrible. So, Well, we've got a little clip here. Um, of you guys performing You Hear Georgia. Um, yeah. We're going to play that now because it looks so relaxed and the vibe was incredible. So we're going to show that clip right now just for everybody. It's a short clip. Here we go. I absolutely love it. The sound is incredible. Charlie, I'm not just saying this, but I've, I, you know, there's, there's lots of new music and, and the COVID in particular has made me feel a certain way. When I listen to this album, because we've been fortunate to be sent the link and hear the album, um, I, I just put a smile on my face from year to year. And, and um, my kids were around and I was cooking them dinner and I had, I had a blast in through the speakers and I, I was just so happy. I'm, I'm not a dancer. No one's ever seen Shane Greenall dance. <laughs> I could not help myself. I, just, yeah. I I couldn't wait to have a beer in one hand, my girlfriend in another, listening to that type of music. And oh. and to, whether it be a, a live show, it just made me feel good, man. And I haven't felt that on an album for a long, long time. Um, Thanks, man. Congratulations, brother. It's, it's an absolute banger, as we say in Wales. Thank you um, very much. Wonderful record. But You Hear Georgia, that's the single, first single off the album? Yeah, that's the first single. And a new one coming up Friday, this Friday. Sweet. Yeah, I can't tell you what it is, but you got the record, so you know them all. <laughs> It'll, it's, a, it's a dance song, though. You've, I, bet, I bet the song that made you want to dance is the one that we're releasing Friday. Oh, do you know, I, I kind of just want to sing, uh, shout song titles, you know, just to let you know. <laughs> I've got them hey, all this, here. I have a funny coincidence here. Um, you hear Georgia, that song. Um, I co-wrote it with a good friend um, during COVID who was, he's a great guitar player. Uh, he was in a band years ago called the Four Horsemen. And that band was a really fantastic rock and roll band. And they were formed by himself and another guitar player who was from Swansea. Wow. Yeah. His name was Haggis and he Haggis used to play. He was in a band called Zodiac Mind Warp and the Love Reaction. And then he was in a band called the cult. He was the cult's touring rhythm right. guitar player for a couple of years. But wow. anyway, that's a funny 
Welsh connection. Yeah. yeah. And that's only 20 minutes from where we live. That's, okay. That's literally 20 minutes down the road. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. But the, the vibe there on the recording, that clip we just saw there, Charlie. So did you guys play the entire song through a few times and just like pick the best sort of what you felt was right? Yeah. Most of the songs, well, we've always recorded, you know, all of us together on the floor. And, yeah. um, and then you go and, you know, put the final vocal on, or if you need a better solo, put the final solo on and then dress it up with, you know, percussion and, and, um, whatever, you know, the sweeteners, um, and that one, the vocal, you know, you can see Paul and I singing our vocal overdubs, but a couple of songs on the record, we did it completely live. Um, and that, that's always frightening. So don't ever tell anybody that that's what they're about to do. Cause it'll, it'll pretty much be impossible, but Dave didn't. He's just like, all right, roll it. you know, and then we're done. He's like, you're not going to beat that. So that's it. That's, that's the take. And, uh, you know, like it's amazing that that can still be accomplished in 2021. Yeah. Know? Yeah. But all you need is a guy like him to, I'm not saying, I mean, you know, people can work whatever way they're comfortable, but when you got somebody like him, I think you mentioned it a minute ago, seeing somebody else get so excited about it makes you excited. Yeah, exactly. You know? like, oh, now I'm really excited too. And uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the backing vocals, um, the ladies who got on there singing their backing vocals, ah, it's just, it's bliss, man. It's so beautiful. I, I absolutely loved it. I kind of want to tell you my favorite songs, but uh, let's, let's, can you tell us what your favorite song of the record is or you're not allowed to say right now? Oh, I can say. Um, yeah. Well, that's one, you or George's one, um, Live It Down, which is the opening track. That one makes me want to drive fast. I like that one. Yeah. Um, it sets up the rest of the record so beautifully. It's like, it's the opener and it just sets the tone for the entire record. Thanks, man. I, I, I feel the same way. It, the running order was, um, that was my job. And um, I just couldn't find another one. I, I flip-flopped on whether You Hear Georgia would open or live it down. And I wound up with, no, well, that sounds like a set opener. So that should be the opener of the record. Yeah. But uh, I really like um, Ain't the Same, which is... Um, uh, Keith Nelson and I wrote that song from Keith from Buck Cherry, formerly of Buck Cherry. He's an old buddy and we've wow. written a lot of songs now. That was another COVID song. And, uh, and then the last one, old scarecrow, I like that one. That's gonna, that's gonna be a, a good old redneck favorite. I think. Yeah. It, it makes me smile every time. I I got so many favorites on, on the album. Honestly, my, my son, he's seven, my, my youngest, and um, I was playing the album, and he, uh, Morning Side was playing. Yeah. He sang that riff, that guitar riff, for the rest of the entire day. Oh, that's <laughs> fantastic. He was, he was absolutely loving it. And he's like, who's this, Dad? I'm like, Blackberry Smoke. Oh, man, cool. tell him. Thank you. I have have no idea. He was just brilliant. I have a seven-year-old son as well. So Yeah, he absolutely loves the riff, that guitar riff. And I got to say, uh, old enough to know, your voice is awesome in that, dude. It's so upfront. Oh, thank um, you. It's uh, that's again. That's one of my. There's about six or seven. Yeah, that's I said, one. What was it? All rise again. I said to you, I I love the riff and um, the vocal melody and the change of the underbelly with the chords in in the chorus. Oh yeah. my god, we were. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, we were we were loving that off here because we were saying like it's just got so much 
just so much to it, isn't it? And it takes you yeah. to, on a proper journey though. And like, whoa. Yeah. Thank you very much. And we've got to say, look, coming from Wales, there's obviously a track you've got on your record called Hey Delilah. Yeah. Now, being from Wales, Mr. Tom Jones. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> song Delilah. And when I saw it, I thought, oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, where I, where I come from, um, uh, you're, you know, grow up going to church and, um, yep. uh, Baptist church. And some of it is like, you know, fire and brimstone scare the children stories, mm -hmm. uh, which is in a, in a human way, it's very, it's brilliant because it's like, okay, well, in addition to me being a parent and telling you don't do this, the devil is going to get you is a really good threat. And along with that comes all these really intense Bible stories that scare you straight, yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, I've written a lot of songs uh, that are that are influenced or inspired by Bible stories. And that's one, the Samson and Delilah story, yeah. except that this one, Delilah probably has a cell phone and it probably has a couple of drug dealers numbers in her phone. <laughs> Uh, that is interesting, though, obviously, because, I mean, well, you hear Georgia, it says it all. Your sound um, on this record, we do get we do get asked quite regularly in the UK, is this something in the water in Wales? Because Wales have produced some pretty yeah. cool bands. Um, it's like that with Georgia, right? It's just got that sound, that essence. Um, maybe it is the church going, that the whole vibe of the of where you're from. Um, yeah. What, what type of bands were you listening to as, as a kid growing oh, up? Oh, man. Well, I grew up playing string band music with my dad, bluegrass, and right. traditional country music, hillbilly music, you know, which is so much of that is um, the Celtic balladry. If it's not fast or if it's not bluesy and sad, it's that that, ball that beautiful balladry that came from you guys. Um, and it's just the melting pot, you know, all that squished together and then and then i got into uh led zeppelin and aerosmith <laughs> and then of course i mean and in the south the radio when i was a kid was full of leonard skinner and the allman brothers and the marshall tucker band and uh that music is unbeatable you know yeah. it's it's yeah. just the the electrified version of that stuff that my dad taught me you know with with uh traditional country music and blues and gospel you know, and the Allman Brothers were all that rolled into one, just turned up really loud with Marshalls, yeah, um, and with jazz too with them. But, but then you know, but then you know, when I got a little older and got an electric guitar in the late '80s, and then Guns and Roses exploded, and it will still, for me, probably be the, as far as my generation, the the largest rock and roll band that there's ever been mm. for people that were, you know, in high school in the '80s. It was like okay, who sells more records than that? You know, yeah, Def yeah. Leppard might've come close, but GNR slash made everybody want a Les Paul. And, uh, yeah. So I guess all that is, uh, even for Georgia, it was, uh, part of the recipe. So how long, so you've been with the guys for 20 years, but were you in bands before that? I know you just said about your dad and stuff, but was there any other friends and stuff that you just sort of jammed with? Was there any bands before Blackberry Smoke? Yeah, yeah. We were all, I think all of us in the band were in cover bands, you know, when we were teenagers. Yeah. And, um, but then I moved to Atlanta um, in 1993 
right after I got out of high school and I started joining, I wanted to come to Atlanta to find people to play original music. You know, you couldn't do that where the little place I come from, you got to play bars, you know, and play, you know, um, roadhouse blues and all that. But, um, but I started playing with these guys who were writing their own songs and there were tons of venues in Atlanta, small places where you could go and you, you play your hour set and make no money and, but get beer, you know, and, uh, did that for years. We didn't start. I think I was 25 when Blackberry smoke formed. So I was already well on my way to being a wreck. (laughs) (laughs) We were just party. That's all we did. And, uh, but then at some point, you know, it, and when Blackberry Smoke started to work in earnest and really get serious, it was like, okay, well, this is going to work. I think it was the first time I saw people actually buy tickets to hear us play our songs, you know? Yeah. Even if it was 50 people, it was like, okay, this is worth doing. I was going to say how far into the Blackberry Smoke um, journey did you realize, wow, this is, this is the real deal now. This isn't like a part-time thing. This is, we're going for this. People are loving this. Well, we all... Um, right at the beginning, um, we, we recorded a record and, uh, there's a band from Atlanta called Jackal, a big loud rock and roll band. The singer, Jesse has a chainsaw that he plays on stage. It's crazy. And they're great. They're, they're as loud as ACDC. It's huge. Awesome. But he produced our first record, but, um, uh, he said, I want you to come and open for us. We're going to go out for a month. So get a van, get a trailer. We're going to learn how to do this, you know, because none of us had ever toured before, not, not a full rock and roll tour. And that, and that was the moment where we all jumped in with both feet, quit our jobs. Like, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And uh, we didn't make any money and we learned how to make the best of a, not a bad situation, but make the best of what we had to work with. And we yeah. instantly learned, it's like, okay, we got to have merch because merch pays for the fuel to get us, you know, from, Kansas city to Des Moines (laughs) and, uh, it just taught us how to, how to do it. It taught how much can you party? Yeah. And then you can't, you know, it shows you that you're human. And it it really knocked a a lot of the real, really romantic ideas about, Oh, you know, this just rock and roll. Nobody cares. And it's just, it's like, Nope, that's not really, that's all that's Hollywood. It's not really how it, or that's not how it actually is. It's a lot of work especially for singers. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, Oh, I got to sleep. <laughs> and I'm not very good at that. The best of times to be quite honest, but uh, yeah. Yeah. But so then, okay. So you're touring and then you get a call to support Leonard skin at ZZ top. I must've blown your mind, right? It did. We got an agent and, um, the, um, we didn't have an agent like for the first year and a half. And so then we, we hired an agent and, and then, um, uh, and then the uh, you know a couple of those calls came and it was like oh wow but I'll tell you to to be honest which I talk to people still to this day twenty years later who were like oh I saw you with Leonard Skinner in Dallas Texas you know the first time two thousand two the first time we ever opened for him and that's great because that's a fan, you know that he's a fan and it was because of that but in the moment and you probably know this there are so many times where I've thought I'm so excited because we're opening for you know who somebody who I respected so much and I love their music and you start to play and you look out and people are like, what time are you done? Cause I'm here to see Leonard Skinner. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Oh, okay. Well I'm still excited, but 
I really wish that they were coming to see us too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes it could be tough and we've played shows where the people are just not having it, you know? And I would yeah. think, uh, well, we, we went and did a guns and roses show last or two years ago in Omaha, Nebraska. And it felt like that. And it was yeah. like, okay. And Richard Fortas, who's in the band, he was like, that was pretty good, man. And I'm like, I didn't think it was. And he goes, you didn't get stuff thrown at you. That was great. You did a great <laughs> yeah. job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. But you still, I mean, you sold out your first South American tour. Is that right? Yeah, that was beautiful. That's um, immense. Yeah. 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 So was that after the obviously supporting uh, Leonard Skinhead and that period, obviously things started to take traction with the band. I think it just was, um, I don't know if it was, directly a result of that i think it was just the year the year after year slow build you know um and words slowly getting out here and there and um we would see you know we we did um a lot of touring with zach brown big country star here in the states and uh, we would see little spikes of merch sales you know and and um but but there was never like a big windfall of oh that that what right there you know that show did it um and i really just started to see i think we really started to see the growth just from just from being out working it you know our our own shows really um but i'll say this um television there was um cable television over here years ago uh we were filmed at an outdoor show um, in Minnesota and it was aired on direct TV. And I've heard, I've literally talked to thousands of people who said, I saw you, never heard of you before. Saw you on this weird cable channel. <laughs> and I said, Oh, wow. Okay. We'll take it. You know, thanks to, it's never like, thanks radio. Cause we get really no support. Hey, well, planet rock thank They, they've played our music and I love them. They're fantastic. But in the States, we really don't, get much support from radio they don't know what to do with us they don't know if we're a country band or a rock and roll band so it's confusing so we were more like thank you television <laughs> yeah does that does that annoy you like you know because good music is good music man i don't understand yeah. why it's got to be labeled as something like your your songs are just class they're brilliantly written um so what is it gotta what a label's got to do with it i really don't know <laughs> well thank you um that's a beautiful compliment. Thank you very much. Um, I don't know either. I've, I've been asked so many times. I'm like, I don't, I mean, it's whatever you think it is what, or what, I, what, what, however it makes you feel, you know? Yeah. And, and it, does it matter? You know, Yeah. you're exactly right. It's yeah. like, but then I think, Hey, you know, if you took a Skinnerd record from the seventies, if you took, you know, like second helping or nothing fancy, what, what would it be played on now? Rock radio or country radio? I, you know, it's it can get a little, a little confusing. Yeah, yeah. Did that ever get you down in the career? Did you ever? Was there any moments where you thought, Do you know, what, this isn't what it cracked out to be? Um, it's it's too difficult. It's too hard. Or was always the drive? Were you driven? The dedication was there, and you weren't going to stop until you got what you wanted. No, I, I think it. We were just really focused on, on uh, doing it to the best of our ability. So. And we would get tons of um, confusion, you know, from industry types. Yeah. Um, don't know how to market this. Don't know. We've never we've never been involved with a major label because uh, they've never come knocking. <laughs> so we can truthfully say it kind of spoiled us a bit because we could truthfully say, okay, well, uh, 
we we didn't have any sort of I'm not going to say help because tons of people have helped us, but but we never had a major label come along and go, well, I'm going to scoop you up and now we're going to throw you to the masses because yeah. they never did. So it really feels good 20 years later to look at it and think we did this in a yeah. real, in a, a very small potatoes kind of way yeah. uh, with, with a handful of good people that, you know, whether it be uh, independent label type people who were not a huge bank, like a major label, they didn't have millions to spend. So we never, you know, we didn't, we didn't spend our way in, you know, it was truly hard work, which uh, yeah. you guys know about too. Yeah. It's doing it yourself. It's, it's funny because Ronnie, Ronnie brought that up actually before we, we were going to come on live with you and hit me with that. There was no major, how, how organic and how beautiful that is to say 20 years later, we're still doing it. We're still successful with another killer album. And it was, like you said, you guys and the fans, then all yourself. Yeah, for, yeah. Me, for me, Charlie, I've, I've been into a lot of like punk rock bands, that DIY ethic, that yeah. hit the road, as you said earlier, and I, I love that. Um, this is the first band I've been in that we've had that, that mindset. We just hit the road. We didn't care how much we were getting. We just had to get on to the next gig because, you know, Shane came up with the beautiful scenario of, every gig we play something's going to happen like you know people will the, the word will get out and it'll be a slow burn as you say it's a slow burn and then you you start to build those blocks and you build them in the right place so yeah in my research on you guys ages ago and i was like that's so cool to see you know it's called a punk rock um ethic or you know everyone yeah. always kind of prides them on punk rock but there's a lot of whether it be Southern rock or rock or rock and roll, there's a lot of bands who have that, that proud um, foundation. Um, and that's what you guys have had. And it's something I've respected for a long time of, um, and, and look where you've got to with it. Um, I mean, for a band who, like you said, never got, I don't know, launched on some of the, the major labels and had the splash that they did. You've, you've managed to have billboard success. You've managed to have UK number one hit, um, you've managed to get on the biggest TV shows on the planet. Um, it's incredible, mate, honestly. Um, something that we're very proud to watch because you know it's achievable. Any band who's, who's trying to succeed can look upon your success and go, we can do that. You've just got to grind. You've just got to, on your worst day, you've got to keep your head up and keep swimming, like, you know, and that's that's the best way forward. So we... Honestly, we congratulate you on all your success Absolutely. there. Oh, really thank you, man. That, I, that, thank you. That warms my heart. It, it makes it feel like it's all been worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember thinking, um, uh, being really happy when we would, I didn't want to uh, give you the wrong idea. I wasn't complaining about opening for people. Um, but I remember thinking, okay, I know what our job here is to pick what we think is the, are the best um, six songs we have, <laughs> you know, to play 30 minutes or so, yeah. and then get the hell out of the way quickly for the crew's sake, for the headliner. And it's funny thing. One of my favorite bands now is uh, Tyler Bryant and the shakedown. They're a young rock and roll band. Yeah. And they, somebody taught them that too, because mm -hmm. they come in like an efficient little machine and they play the hell out of their set and then they're out of the way. And yeah. the crew, same, same with us when we were younger, rock and roll tour crews of these huge stadium bands love them like i love that band right there because they're they get the hell out of our way <laughs> yeah 
it's, it's uh, definitely something we've picked up on tour um, yeah supporting the bigger acts is it's they are show we're there to do a job and as you said as soon as it's done get out the way make it as 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 easy as possible for those bands so that you get asked again or, or yeah you other, right. that word gets around doesn't it you know yeah. um so but yeah. there's nothing in the world like you know when you when you sell the show the the ticket to your show and your name is on the ticket and they came to hear you sing your songs and not somebody else <laughs> yeah can you can you think of a like can you think of a gig charlie where you know it's your show and you're just you know you're looking at the bandmates and thinking yeah this is what it's all about you know the, those goose pimples before you went on and yeah, anything man. in particular so many um, yeah uh I mean, I can't pick one out. They're, they're, it's always great to play home. You know, Atlanta's always a, a magical night because the energy is just thick, you know. But yeah, um, London is always great. Um, it's been great. And I, I was always told, you know, that, that London audiences would be reserved. And, uh, and they haven't been for us. I think maybe we bring out the rowdies. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. But, it's always been uh, shepherd's bush has always been great and yep um we did uh the roundhouse that was beautiful and thinking about that stage i was thinking oh man think about the history mm. uh, how many how many of our favorite musicians have played this stage yeah london's be good with us too ron yeah yeah it's, it's it's quite bizarre because I remember saying to the guys early doors, Charlie, of um, London's quite a hard place to play. We've we've been playing there since we were like sixteen, yeah. um, and and I don't know what it's like in the states, but that's kind of our that's that's always the hardest place to win over, or it was always the hardest. But with this band, we were very fortunate where we hit onto an amazing rock community, um, yeah. and and it's exactly where I echo in what I said earlier the. The, the building blocks are there then and, and slowly but surely you start looking out. And as Shane said, um, just before COVID it, we, we managed to, to play a, a London headline show and it yeah. was just a magical moment to, to know it's your, this is our show. You know, yeah. what I mean? it's that exactly like you said that this is our show. This is, this yeah. is brilliant. This is, they've come out on a, I think it was a Sunday evening or um, and it's like they're, they're here to, yeah, it's so cool. That's yeah. so I, I respect what you say there, even though it's cool to support anybody. And, and I get that vibe and we're always the same where the ethic is get in, win as many people over as you can. You've got 25 minutes to put on a, well, the best show you can possibly do, but then get the hell out of the way, clear yeah. the stage, like you said. Um, but there is that, that cool moment when you just got that, that moment, like, you, you know, like Shane said, you look around to the rest of the band and go, this, this is our show. This yeah. is this is pretty cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the greatest feeling, man. Yeah. So what keeps us all coming back? So what keeps the stones coming back? You know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So do you, do you prefer now knowing like twenty years into Blackberry Smoke? Do you do you still enjoy the touring as much? Not as much. I love it. I, yeah. I'm I'm addicted to it. This yeah. has been like a like. A, going to rehab, being, being trapped at home for this long. I just love the daily routine of being yeah. a, a new play. I don't even really love to play two nights in the same city. It's weird. You know, it's, you become such a gypsy, um, seriously, like to wake up and not know where you are. It's great to look out the window and be like, where are we? You know, this is, it's all new and walk, you know, go to, walk around these beautiful cities, especially when we come to Europe and the UK, it is just, 
I mean, I love the United States. I'm an American through and through, but well, my heritage is, is Irish, uh, thanks to ancestry.com. I figured that out, you know, and I always wondered why is it that when I come to the UK, my blood kind of tingles a little bit and I'm like, this is cause my people, this is where I'm from, you know, That's beautiful. And, uh, just walking around, looking at all the beautiful architecture and just the culture. And I love it. This has been hard being away from it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you found time to do anything else? Um, obviously, you said you're family man, um, and and you've been writing as well a lot. Have you, have you have you found time to do anything else that you would normally be always on the road and anything you've learned during this during a strange time? I yeah, I grew uh, some vegetables, planted a garden, and I'm about to do that again um, in a couple of weeks around Easter. You know, you get your seeds in and. Played school teacher for a bit because my son was, you know, homeschool. I don't know if you guys, well, you said you have a seven-year-old. Um, yeah. So you played teacher too, I'm sure, which yeah, I'm not yeah. cut out for it. I don't know about you, but it was, no, it was really I, hard. I, yeah, I did. I did struggle with it. I, I, I think I thought I was a good teacher. Yeah. Hats off to all the teachers out there. That's right. An incredible job. Yeah. Yeah. We should be paid more because they're, I don't know about there, but here in the U.S. teachers are sorely underpaid. And uh, we we pay we play we pay football players and baseball players way way more than some of that should be going to school teachers and and the like. But, it's exactly the same year, dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. But um, hey, so Blackberry Smoke, new album. You hear Georgia? When is it out, Charlie? May twenty eighth. May twenty eighth. You can pre order it now. There it goes on the bottom of the screen. Pre order the new Blackberry Smoke album. You hear Georgia out May 28th. Pre-order is in our comments. Any you Crow family, it's such a killer album. I cannot stress. It just it just picked me up. It gave me energy when I didn't I thought I didn't have it. I was tired. I was homeschooling. <laughs> I was tired. I wanted to eat some food, and all it made me do was dance around the kitchen. And I'm not a dancer. That man up there knows I am not a dancer. <laughs> Put a smile on my face. I wanted to dance in the kitchen. Buy it for that alone. But the musicianship, the quality in this songwriting is phenomenal. Congratulations, Charlie. It's such an amazing record, dude. Thank you, Shane. It. Thank you so much, man. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us, Charlie. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you, Crow family. Thank you very much. Stay safe, Charlie. And we hopefully, uh, when things get back to some normality, we'll see you on the road, mate. You too, Ronnie. You too, Shane. You guys take care, man. Take care, Charlie. We're going to play the song now in full, You Hear Georgia. Check this out, guys. Top scared fills there. Okay, let's uh, take it to the top. Well, how does it start? You win. 
Thanks for listening to Crowcast Podcast. Don't forget, this episode is also available to watch on our YouTube channel. For up-to-date information on everything Crows, follow us on all our socials or visit our website, thosedamncrows.com. Tidy. Ta-da!